You're listening to The Jeff Caven Show, episode 81, Fiddler on the Roof and Marriage. Hey, I'm Jeff Cavins. How do you simplify your life? How do you study the Bible? All the way from motorcycle trips to raising kids, we're going to talk about the faith and life in general. It's The Jeff Caven Show. Hey, welcome to the show. We're going to talk about Fiddler on the Roof this week. Probably didn't think you were going to get that, but uh, most likely you have seen that that wonderful movie or the a play, whether it's high school, college, or your community, has put on Fiddler on the Roof, and it is just absolutely filled with all kinds of good lessons for us. And years ago, in fact, when I used to be a Protestant pastor, I did a whole course on Fiddler on the Roof and talked about different aspects of, of faith and marriage and family that, that uh, you know, a lot of different lessons we can learn from Fiddler on the Roof. So we'll get to that in just a moment. But I, wanted, I, wanted, I do want to talk about, about love and marriage and Fiddler on the Roof. Uh, got an email here from Nanette. Thanks, Nanette. She said, Dear Jeff, it's a good question, by the way. She said, I am a faithful listener to your podcast. Love your message, the way you turn everyday situations into lessons from Jesus. I intend on purchasing the new Bible. That's the Great Adventure Bible she's talking about. Uh, by the way, thank you for all of your comments, folks. Uh, you guys have been sending in some good, good, good remarks about the new Bible. That Ascension Press has put together. It's the new Great Adventure Bible. She says, but I have one problem that I hope you can help me with. She said, I'm 57 years old. I can't help you with that. No, I'm just kidding. She says, I'm 57 years old and seriously began reading the Bible about four years ago. My husband has even taught the Great Adventure Bible study at our church, so I am very familiar with what the new Bible contains. But what do I do with my other Bibles? That's her question. What do I do with my other Bibles? Three years ago, my husband gave me a large print RSV Catholic edition Bible. As I have gotten deeper into God's Word, I requested my children give me the Didache Bible with commentaries based on the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and in the last three months received the Catechism of the Catholic Church. I love how these two are connected and help me understand God's Word. If I get the new Bible, what do I do with the ones I have just begun to feel at home in? Thanking you for all that you do to spread God's word. Good question, Nanette. What do you do with all those Bibles? Well, I've had to face that in my own life because I have many Bibles. <laughs> and I have, I'll tell you, I've got I've got a New American Standard Bible that I bought when I was, how old was I? I was 18 years old. I went down to a bookstore and bought that, and I used it for probably... I don't know, the first 20 years or so, and it's been rebound several times, and I still have it. I don't use it every day, but I still have it, and I still refer to it. And I also have an RSV Bible, and I have an RSV 2, an Ignatius, that, that Bible that was put out. So I have three Bibles that have been really my workhorses all these years, and most of them have been rebound once uh, the first one was rebound twice, so they're 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 long in the tooth. They're old. They got lots and lots of uh, markings in them, and citations, and notes, and pictures, and everything else. So I do understand what it is to become attached to a Bible, 
and for that Bible to be your constant companion in your your time of Lexio Divina, daily devotions, uh, vacations, travels around the world, speaking all over the country. Yes, I know. And now I've got the Great Adventure Bible, which is becoming my mainstay. That's my that's my new one. That's my new Bible. So what do I do with those other three? Plus, to be honest with you, Nanette, I have probably like four or five others. What do I do with them? Well, I, I retire them, <laughs> and I still use them. So I go back and I look at the notes. But I do also find that having a new Bible gives me an opportunity to start marking my Bible a little bit differently and to get kind of a fresh start. But what do I do with those old, those three that are, that are quite uh, worn? Well, I'll tell you, I have each one of them marked to become the property of my daughters. I've got three girls, and I'm going to give each one of them one of my Bibles. And the ones that I'm using now, like my new Great Adventure Bible, will probably go towards my grandboys and my granddaughter. And I've got little Dominic and Frankie and Fiona, and uh, they probably will get a Bible of mine someday. So I think it's 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 good. You don't want to you don't, you never want to throw a Bible away. Don't do that. Don't don't throw a Bible away. But keep them and give them to relatives as part of your heritage. I think it's a great gift to give to them. And in the meantime, I'm really excited about using this brand new Bible, and I'm going to show you in future shows how I'm starting to mark this new Bible and use it, and how uh, having the Bible timeline built right into the Bible is going to become a great advantage for me in teaching, and I think it will be a great advantage for you as well. So thanks for your question. It's a good, it's a good question. And by the way, if you do have any questions for me about Bibles, Bible study, great adventure, the faith in general... Uh, give me an email, thejeffcavenshow at ascensionpress.com. Well, we're talking this week about uh, Fiddler on the Roof and marriage, and I want to use this uh, this movie, which is fantastic. Uh, perhaps you've seen it. I've, I've seen it so many times. There's a part of the, of the uh, movie that speaks about marriage and really goes back to Genesis 24 and the roots of marriage. And in, uh, in what marriage is really all about. You know, we've, we, we've got this notion of love today in the world that is very emotionally driven, but there's a, there's a foundation to marriage and love that we see in Scripture that is reflected in Fiddler on the Roof, and I want to talk about that. You know, I, I have celebrated 40 years of being married to Emily now, and I know that some of you have even reached that great milestone of 50 years you know that when you reach your 50th anniversary, do you know that you will have spent over 18,000 days together? That's a long time, isn't it? That's a lot of experience. That's a, that's a lot of time. The point that I would like to make today is that the responsibility to love each other and all that that entails begins today. You know, uh, if, if you're just getting married, it begins today. If you've been married for 50 years, it was 18,000 days ago. But the point I want to bring out that I think uh, Fiddler on the Roof with Golda and Tevia, which we're going to look into that great song that they sang to each other, brings out is that love comes after the marriage ceremony. And love is something you must work at. When I was a Protestant pastor, before returning to the Catholic Church, I married, I married dozens and dozens and dozens of people. 
And I remember so many of them came up with this unity candle, you know, that they had a candle for each of themselves and, and then a candle in the middle and they would take their own candle, which was lit and they would light the unity candle and then they would blow their candle out. And I used to chuckle inside thinking, oh, it ain't that easy. It's not that easy just to blow out the candle, you know. No, it takes huffing and puffing and it takes a lot to become one. But today, the people living in the Western world are supposed to marry for love, love. Considerable emphasis is placed on romance and human emotion and finding that, that, that right person, you know. But the challenge that each new couple always faces is how to mold this premarital feeling of romance into mature love. Now, the Bible gives a different perspective on love. i got to be honest with you. It's very different than the Western notion of falling in love. There's, a, there's always that aspect of emotionally being drawn to someone, but the Bible gives a different perspective on love, certainly different than what we are accustomed to. To begin with, love was more of a commitment than a feeling. It was seen foremost as a pledge rather than an emotional high. It was a person's good word to stick with someone, to have covenant faithfulness towards someone, to make that relationship work. It was not merely a warm sensation inside that made me feel good. Now, the foundation in the Old Testament for marriage and for the Jewish people and where we get this idea of love and fiddler on the roof comes from Genesis chapter 24. It's the story of Isaac and Rebekah, and it illustrates the point that love develops and is deepened after marriage. Genesis 24, 67, let me quote it to you. It says, Isaac brought Rebekah into the tent of his mother, Sarah, and he married Rebekah. So she became his wife, and he loved her. Now, I want to emphasize the point there that is really important, and, and I don't know how long you've been married, or if you're going to be married shortly, maybe you're still single and you're going to be married, this will be good, good information for you. Notice what comes first? It says that Isaac brought Rebekah into the tent of his mother, Sarah, and he married Rebekah. Doesn't say anything about love yet, does it? It says he married Rebekah, so she became his wife, and then here it comes at the very end, and he loved her. And so I want to emphasize this, this point, and that is that Isaac married Rebekah, a woman he had never probably seen before, and, and then what? He loved her. He loved her. In a world of arranged marriages, it wasn't uncommon for each partner to see each other for the first time on their wedding day. You imagine that? Think about your, your relationship with your spouse today. What if you had just met them for the first time on, on the wedding day? Well, that would be a little bit different than the modern Western notion of marriage, right? That you... You have this courtship period where you become so emotionally involved with each other and love each other, and you can't wait to give yourself to each other after marriage. In short, for the Hebrew patriarchs, love came after marriage. It was not a matter of falling in love and then marrying. They married, then they loved 
each other. It was something that they did. It was a commitment that they had made. It was it was something they did every single day. And in the biblical world, couples were expected to grow to love each other after marriage. And in modern times, the emphasis has been more on marrying the person that you love rather than learning to love the one that you marry. Something to think about, you know? Maybe you're at that point right now in your in your marriage where it feels a little stale, feels like, eh, I don't know if I feel the same way as I did, you know, 20 years ago. Well, maybe you don't. But the biblical pattern of marriage is that you love the one that you married in the same way that Christ loves you, his bride. And, and you might not be as excited today as the day that you first gave your life to Christ and you were so excited about Bible studies and so forth. But today's the day of faithfulness. You love him. You love him. And that is a decision. Though both dimensions of love are important, both the, the, the act of loving and making a decision to love as well as the emotional aspect, they're both important for the modern Christian marriage. The emphasis needs to be put on love blossoming after marriage. Now, I'm going to take a break. When I come back, I want to look into Fiddler on the Roof and this beautiful song between Tevia and Golda, which expresses exactly what I'm saying today and then challenge you in your marriage, or if you're going to get married. You're listening to The Jeff Caven Show. Reading the Bible is something we as Catholics know we should do, but let's be honest, it can be kind of complicated. Even though it's a complete story, the Bible isn't really one book. It's more like a library with dozens of books and dozens of genres. There's poetry, prophecy, and prose. There are apocalypses and revelations, historical accounts and allegories. No wonder it's difficult to keep a finger on the story of God's love and plan of salvation for his people, the thread that keeps all of it together. If you're wishing there was a simple guide to help you tie all of this together, then you're just like Jeff Cavins and Tim Gray. That's why they wrote the book, Walking with God. Walking with God is a single book that traces the story that ties the Bible together. It helps you to understand the big picture of the Bible if you're looking to read more of the Bible, Walking with God will help you do it with confidence, peace, and clarity. You can find out more and order Walking with God on ascensionpress.com or on Amazon. Hey, welcome back. We're talking about Fiddler on the Roof. You know, that whole great movie, the play, Golda and Tevia, and they fall in love, right? And they get married. We're looking at Love Comes After Marriage in the Bible in Genesis 24. You know, that musical came to Broadway in the early 60s and, and rapidly became a phenomenal a phenomenal box office hit. I'd like to use a song from Fiddler on the Roof to further illustrate my point today in the show. The scene is a small town, Anatevka. It's a little town in Tsarist Russia prior to World War I. Tevia is a dairyman in seeking to rear his five beautiful daughters, according to what the good book says. <laughs> And Tevia wants to arrange marriages for his daughter as his own marriage to Golda had been arranged. Now, most likely, if you're listening to the show today, you have not experienced an arranged marriage. If you have, you give me an email, thejeffgavenshow at ascensionpress.com. Now, his daughters, however, they, they see things differently. It is for love that they wish to marry. 
now forced to come to grips with a new concept of marriage after love instead of love after marriage, Tevia says to his wife, he's intrigued by this because his five daughters are, are marrying these Russians. And why? Because they love these guys. Tevia is not used to that. He's used to, I will love the one I marry, not I will marry the one I love. So it's a collision of two worlds here. And I love this song. Tevia says to Golda, his wife, it's a new world, love. After 25 years of married life, Golda, do you love me? Golda says, what? Tevia, do you love me? Golda, do I love you? With our daughter getting married and there's trouble in the town, you're upset, worn out. Go inside, go lay down. Maybe it's indigestion. Tevia, Golda, I'm asking you a question. Do you love me? Golda, you're a fool. Tevia, I know, but do you love me? Golda, do I love you? For 25 years, I've washed your clothes, cooked your meals, cleaned your house, given you children, milked the cow. After 25 years, why talk about love right now? Tevia, Golda, the first time I met you was on our wedding day. I was scared. Golda, I was shy. Tevia, I was nervous. Golda, so was I. Tevia, but my father and my mother said we'd learn to love each other. And so I'm asking you, Golda, do you love me? Golda, I'm your wife. Tevia, I know, but do you love me? Golda, do I love you? For 25 years, I've lived with you, fought with him, starved with him. 25 years, my bed is his. If that's not love, what is? Tevia, then you love me? Golda, I suppose I do. Tevia, I suppose I love you too. Together they sing, it doesn't change a thing, but even so, after 25 years, it's nice to know. <laughs> Isn't that... Isn't that beautiful? Let's take a look at that just for a second here. I, there's so many things in there. I'm just going to bring out a couple of points. One is something so beautiful, and that is this, is that Tevia hears that his daughters are marrying for this emotional love with these, these Russian soldiers. And he's kind of curious, does, does Golda feel that way about me? And so he asked, do you love me? And she's, of course, she's answering from the perspective of, since we've got married, I've done nothing but love you. I've, I've showed you that I've loved you by everything that I'm doing. And, he, and then they talk about the, the fact that when we met, it was on our wedding day, and he said, I was scared. She said, I was shy. He said, I was nervous. She said, so was I. But then I love this one line where Tevia says, but my mother and my father, father said, we'd learn to love each other. And so I'm asking you, Golda, do you love me? And finally, of course, she says, I guess I do. And he says, I love you too. Isn't that a beautiful ending to that? Here we see a love that is based on commitment rather than emotions, a love that is demonstrated in everyday life 
And this is God's will for all of our marriages, that our, our life be occupied with loving our wife, loving our husband, rather than trying to determine if we are in fact in love. Now, if marriage is based on anything other than our commitment before God, then our marriage is founded on shifting sand. And if it is founded on emotions, they will change. If founded on looks, they will change. Look at my pictures. (laughs) Circumstances, they will change. Feelings, oh yeah, they will change. But Jesus Christ never changes. He is a sure foundation on which you both can stand through good times and bad. I like what Paul says to the Ephesians in chapter 5 and verse 25. He says, says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. You see, love in a Christian marriage is a love based not on mere feelings or circumstances, but on covenant faithfulness. The commitments that you will make in your marriage, or you have made in your marriage, are peculiar to society, for it is an exclusive commitment. And this commitment rules out all potential rivals who might compete for the attention of your marriage partner. At Mount Sinai, God said to Israel, out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession, and you shall have no other gods besides me. You know that even, you might remember if you got married or if you're going to be married here shortly, ushers seat your families on opposite sides of the room. As you are looking at the altar, the the bride's family is to the left, groom to the right. It's for a reason. By setting them in this traditional manner, it provides a covenant setting. And that's what marriage is. Marriage is established by God as a covenant, not a contract. And the Hebrew word for covenant is berit. It is defined as a cutting. It's a a compact made by passing between two pieces of a sacrifice. And this word is pictured in God's covenant with, with Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. You see, marriage is beyond a contract. It's beyond a social agreement. But it is a covenant relationship. And yes, you chose the one that you would marry. And now love comes after marriage. Love comes after marriage, and that means from this day forward, you make the decision to put that spouse of yours first, to die for them, to live for them, to give yourself to them, to become a living sacrifice for your spouse. You come second. Give your life for your spouse. Encourage you today to Maybe take these words of the the song from Fiddler on the Roof and, and review your own marriage. As you look at each other and say, do you love me? It certainly is not an emotionally based decision anymore. If you've been married for 25, 30, 40, 50 years. But it is a commitment that is evidenced by what you do and how you treat each other and what you say about each other, and how you spend your time together, and how you reflect the love of God and his church. For marriage is the stage on which God demonstrates his faithfulness. Love comes after marriage. Let me pray for you this week. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Lord, I lift up my 
my friends who are married and those who are yet to be married, and perhaps they will be. Lord, I, I pray that you would help us understand the deep covenant aspect of marriage and that marriage is not based on emotion, but is based on commitment. And that commitment is a reflection of your love for the church and a demonstration to the world of a commitment that goes beyond anything that the world is used to. Help us, Lord, to walk in fidelity in our marriages and to walk in faithfulness in our marriages. Help us to become examples of your love for the church. I lift up all my friends who are listening right now that you would reignite their marriage, not based on emotion, but based on faithfulness, and that they would experience that love at a new level. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, my friend, I hope you have a good week. And I hope that this has been a little inspiring, especially if you're married. If you're going to be married, use this for the future. Like to hear from you. How are you doing with your new Great Adventure Bible? If you haven't bought it yet, go to ascensionpress.com and get your new Great Adventure Bible. It's rocking the Catholic Bible study world, and it's an awful lot of fun. Like to hear your uh, insights into the show, any questions you might have. My email is the Jeff Caven Show. The is kind of important in the address. The Jeff Caven Show at ascensionpress.com. You have a fantastic, fantastic week.